0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. in. I do have,
1: have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it, the worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is.
0: Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty.
1: Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and we are uh, looking today in the book of Genesis and uh, continuing to exegete God's word to give us guidance for how we might live in the Christ factor. Well, last week we, or the week before last, remember that we are alternating uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, New Testament, uh, which was last week, we're looking at First uh, and Second Thessalonians. Uh, this week, we'll continue our look at Genesis and what God's Word has to say in Genesis. So we took basically the first, almost the first two chapters of Genesis and looked at the information that was there in that God created and what we have as a uh, remuneration of the creation story uh, ending up. And we ended our discussion with, with uh, the fact that, that, that God created uh, mankind and he created them distinctly male and distinctly female. Now one of the one of the before we continue our discussion in Genesis one of the things that I wanted to talk about is we've as we've looked at the creation story as we've gone through the like I said the first two chapters basically where what the the mechanism that the Hebrews used when they wrote these books is that they and this is why sometimes you have people come back and they say well um, there, there are two counts, uh, two two accounts of things here, and it's confusing as to why there's two accounts. Um, and the reason for that is because it was a it was a common mechanism that the Hebrew writers would use that they would make a they would make a broad uh, statement in regard to something, and then they would come back and they would uh, be more specific. About uh, what it is that they were uh, talking about. So here in Genesis, we find that mechanism present, where um, it stated that God created uh, out of chaos. Basically, God created the world, and then there are specifics about what was created in each of the six days that uh, that it took in order to create. Now we don't we don't know for sure. Um, you know, we as, we assume, or many many Bible scholars assume some that some that to take things literally. For example, assume that um, six days was a twenty four hour period. We don't we don't know that. So, do you do you not uh, do you not take it literally? As I said, we don't know that the there's uh there's enough there's enough evidence to to suggest that those periods could have been longer or shorter um a longer period for example each each day representative of uh a thousand years let's say would would give um an understanding to the anthropological evidence that's involved for like paleontology for example with dinosaurs and and what have you we don't we don't know for sure and I'm just saying that from a biblical standpoint I'm not going to land hard on one particular um, mechanism because scripture isn't definite what do you so in situations like like in situations like this when you're looking at it
0: I always like to go back to what I think uh, the New Testament authors and Jesus would have thought. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think they would have interpreted that as possible thousand years, or do you think they would have interpreted it as just
1: six days? Well, they don't. They may have. They may have interpreted it as six days simply because they didn't have the breadth of information that we have available to us today. So, you know, if you want more information about the actual, about creationism and creation process, uh, there is the Creation Research Institute down in in California that has a whole volume of knowledge that you can look at and try to get a better understanding. I don't think it's a a game changer one way or the other. Hmm. Personally, I mean, we're talking about my personal take on it. Sure. And it's not a game changer one way or the other, as far as I'm concerned. What is a game changer is that what we see happening here in Scripture is that if you take the the, the opening of, of uh, Genesis, where it says specifically, and God created, and then we begin to see a delineation of what he created and how he created, what we find is that God from the very beginning took that which was chaos. In fact, it states in, uh, it states in uh, Genesis, um, the, uh, in the beginning, it says, Now in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, dark was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters." So, what is indicated inside of um, Scripture is that God took that which was chaos and without form, and he put it into an orderly structure. And then from the from the and then he began to take the various elements which would be present inside of His creation, and he began to put order, to how it is that that creation was established? So I don't, I don't see how you
0: could possibly, I don't see how you could possibly come to the conclusion that it's not a six-day, um, like it's not a six literal days, if you are reading it with what you're saying in mind. Like, like when you look at, we talked last week about the Cam, or not last week, two weeks ago, about the Cambrian explosion, for instance, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden in the fossil records you have these things. Um, yeah, I just don't I just don't really understand how a person could take that. I don't I don't think the New Testament authors would view it that way.
1: And, 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 and this is one of those areas where you're, you know, we could we could have an enlightening intelligent discussion about this particular aspect of the creation. Um, whether it happened in six days or six thousand years, s- s- yeah, who? Uh, we just don't know. You, you can't know, and it's and it is within the realm of speculation because you do have to take into account the uh, the records that are available on Earth in regard to um, in regard to uh, rock formation. You have to take into account the fossils uh, that we have. Uh, that are uh, showing the uh, record of uh, primitive beings. You have to take into account places like the Lebeya Tart uh, La Brea tar pits, tar pits, where you have a whole Would fossils you... of animals that uh, existed long before uh, man had an understanding. Mean, There's just so many things that we don't know. Would you agree that that
0: that type of that method of hermeneutics? That method of um, understand of unpacking the context of things isn't really used anywhere else in Scripture.
1: What I would agree to, Josh, is is that there are some things in Scripture that we don't have a broad enough understanding of to put a specific. Uh...
0: Sure, but what I mean by that is when we say like Christ rose on the third day, there's we don't we don't apply that same ethic. To that statement, right? We don't say Christ rose three thousand years. That was later. an event, Josh. Right, and creation creation cleared... creation no, is no, an no. event. It
1: was a it was an event which was recorded in history. Right. Okay, so an event that is recorded in history is different than an event which um, that, which was recorded happened. as history. No, 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 no. It was recorded in hindsight to give explanation to God, to to creation, and to answer that first question of where did I come from. You know, specifically, the Hebrews uh, took this information and they put it down because it was given to them as a brief explanation. But the specifics of it, we don't know. And, and as I said, the reality of it is, is when you're looking at a New Testament event, for example, the resurrection of Christ, there were witnesses that, uh, showed, that knew when he was crucified, and there are witnesses that knew when he was resurrected. So that event is a recorded event in time in history, which can be substantiated. When and how God actually created the, the world as we know and understand it, that can't be substantiated. And I, as a theologian, only land hard on something when scripture gives me the ability to do so. Wouldn't you
0: agree that proper eisegesis would be, though, that what scripture says we take as what it says? Proper exegesis? Uh yeah, proper exegesis. Wouldn't you agree the proper exegesis would be to take scripture as what it says and then be open to more revelation as long as it doesn't deny what's already said. So in other words, if the scripture says in 6 days, then the proper way of looking at it, the safe way, the safe way of like critically, you know, taking a look at it would be to say 6 days means 6 days. Now, I would be open to something more but 6 days means 6 days.
1: I'm, you know, I'm very pleased with you Josh that you're, you know, taking a rather conservative position.
0: No, 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 no. you know, no. I think you're misunderstanding I- <laughs> me. I'm so I I think you're misunderstanding me. For our viewers, I don't hold uh I don't hold that conservative position. I'm trying to edge out how it is that we how it is we should look at something that has multiple
1: views, right? Well, th- that, that's correct, and, and I'm just saying that you're gonna, if you want to exegete Scripture correctly, you need to be able to say that there are certain things that we just don't know. Sure.
0: But when the Scripture and says six days, then we at
1: least know that. We know that it's six days. Now, could but, there be other interpretations? Th- we, we don't know um, when Scripture lent itself to having a specific twenty-four hour right. period. Right. That's a good designated a, a, a distinction. As a six as as a day. We the scripture doesn't give us guidance. Of course,
0: guidance I, I that. would I would push back that it doesn't really make sense to use that terminology since it was an event that was recorded in hindsight and therefore used language that people would understand as days with 24 hour periods. Just saying like that's a double-edged sword there. Mm-hmm. The 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 thing for me is like when we talk about those records, I don't think that those records support billions and billions and billions of years of development. Um, I don't think that that's like we're talking about the the physical records in in archaeology and paleontology and all these different things. I don't think that they support. I'm not compelled by the evidence that's presented
1: for billions and billions and billions of years. I'm not compelled for that by that either. My, but it still provides. Exp- but you still have to provide. For uh, explanation uh, for, for example, um, you know, having a, a geological record of things that, that uh, happened before an understanding of the history of man.
0: Sure, but when we're talking, when you're talking about geological records and two weeks ago you talk about radial halos, an instantaneous transformation... That is not something that takes place over thousands or billions
1: or you know even even a week. It takes place instantaneously. Well, okay, yes, but context, Josh. The contents of that statement is is that God took that which was was uh, without form and made it a form. void, and instantaneously. Yeah, that's made my point. So, so then subsequently, after that event, then he began to create the <laughs> elements of that which he had made uh, instantaneously.
0: Right, but there's no context of there's, changing the way in which he made something. It's he spoke, it's, something happened. He spoke, something happened. He spoke, something happened. So if we are going to say that he spoke and, and liquid essentially became solid, then why would we think that he took all of this time later on when we're affirming that he didn't do that earlier on? That doesn't really make sense. It's not the context of it. For the record, I am just I'm not I'm not It's not
1: supposed to make It's not it's not supposed to make sense it's a for, mystery. for your puny little brain. It's a mystery okay. which is present inside of scripture and I'm being honest with how I approach that mystery.
0: I just want to make sure that we s- stick to scripture. Sure. Scripture says six days. That means we err on six days. We don't err on a thousand years or multiple interpretations. We err on six days.
1: Okay. Right? That's a safe way to to interpret. If there are those who are listening to me and, you know, this is a question, a a quandary for you, um, you can do further research for yourself. You can draw your own conclusions. I believe I? that there's enough evidence available to say that it may not, the six days may not be a 24-hour
0: period. Now, let me outline my position really quickly so that you understand that this is not, I don't hold the, the classic six day. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I actually believe that quantum physics solves this problem. I believe that there is a, a literal six days and then a literal not six days all, all at the same time. So, you know, if you – yeah, I'm not going to go too much into quantum physics, but what I'm saying is it's possible based on our understanding of quantum physics that God created the universe in six days, literally, like physically the passage of six 24-hour periods while at the same time the universe taking a long time to develop. So I – I just want to be clear... Within
1: the realm of possibility. I, I, mean, I just
0: want to be clear, the only place that we can stick to as we're properly exegeting scripture is six days. Well, scripture
1: says that this occurred within a six-day period. A six, 24-hour period. Well, it doesn't say 24 hours. That's where it gets a little sketch. But right that's there.
0: absolutely the understanding that Moses would have had when delivering six days to the Israelites. When he was – you, I don't think you can argue against that. I think you have to – if you're saying that Moses used those words and those, use, those words have been given through time, it, it, you even said – like you even gave the inclination that there was uh, – that perhaps the New Testament authors didn't have the information that we have. So that implies – that right there implies that acquiesces to the idea that everybody believed it was a 24-hour period up until recently. And that's actually the truth. Up until re up until very recent history, everybody believed it was a twenty four hour period.
1: Not going to deny that. I'm just saying okay. Well, there that, you go. I'm just saying that you have to, if you're going to approach things in a, a scholarly basis, you have to take into consideration all the information available. And for those who, if if, if people, if the non believer gets hung up on, but this evidence in paleontology in in the, uh, in the rock formations, in, in uh, the, um, you know, the, the minute crustaceans and what have you we have in uh, geological structures uh, come about, how did that happen uh, and how can you still be true to, to the narrative of, uh, of Genesis that God created it and he created it within six days? Um, we we just uh, we don't know. I worry though. I
0: worry about that particular type of pandering. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Be- because here's what here's what happens. So like, take archaeologically, for instance. Your generation panders. I don't pander. No, I would definitely call that pandering. Yeah. Take take archaeological archaeologically for instance. Um, in the Book of Acts, they recorded that a certain city. I'd have to look it up, but they recorded that a certain city was in a in a certain place, and they couldn't find it for the longest time. And then much later on, and so they people acquiesced and said, "Oh well, that just means uh, maybe it was here." You know, maybe maybe, maybe we just messed up in how we did things, and now we know this. Well, come to find out, hey, that city is actually there. Sure. It's just over time they changed the name to something else. Sure. And there's all sorts of things like that, and I, I don't think we should give ground for that. I think we need to be – I think Scripture, if we believe it's inspired, is correct. So, th- so what should be said is if the archaeological evidence doesn't match up with Scripture, then something's wrong with our interpretation of that evidence. And we and I know people might not like that. You might push back against that and say, oh, well, that's not being critical or whatever. And how can the Bible be, you know, how can the Bible be viewed as uh, over everything? But I'm a sola scriptura guy,
1: you know, no, like I have no problem with that. It but is I... what it
0: says. And look at look at how we understand evidence. How we understand evidence is, you know, you like look at the um Mount St. Helens. You know, with the petrified forests that we thought petrified forests took all of this time to develop. And then uh, after Mount St. Helens exploded, all of this research came out saying, oh, wait, you can develop a petrified forest in, in a matter of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so we learned a great deal from the explosion of Mount St. Helens, for example, particularly when we look at understanding flood, the flood right. and what occurred because of the flood. I have no problem with that. So I'm not really moved by people's arguments against Scripture. Okay, well, I'm not really asking you to be moved. I'm just saying that if I'm going to be honest to understanding how I would look at this uh, with all the evidence available, um, I, cannot, I cannot say that um, a a day uh, clearly represents a 24-hour period, as it is indicated here. That's all I'm saying. And that's an honest assertion. Now, what you're asserting that, you know... I'm um, asserting
0: that... So that's your assertion, and my assertion is that a day clearly represents a 24-hour period. However... There might be caveats to that that are a mystery and we don't really need to go into them. Okay, well then fine. Then you're acquiescing to my position and that's fine. You don't have to be ashamed of that. I don't think that that's how people would (laughs) interpret it, but let's do a poll. No, I'm just
1: kidding. (laughs) No, uh, okay. So so not that we get overly hung up on, on that aspect of things, Let's move on because I think the yep. more important aspect of what is represented here in particular is that God took that which was a chaos and he gave it structure. And if we look at then the remainder of, of uh, what we see in creation, we see that God provides structure in creation. Do
0: you think I'm sorry not to push back again. You're saying that he took chaos and turned it into structure. The it's nihil, right? It's nothingness, it's void. Would you interpret I think obvious. I think the conclusion's obviously true. I just I'm wondering if this passage really applies to that conclusion. Cuz it's not chaos until
1: sin enters the world. Well, I'm not I'm looking at I'm looking at um, all of creation as over the course as, of time as a point of reference to say that God's design was that he took that which was without structure and he placed structure around it.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm getting and hung up on the term chaos because chaos isn't 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 Nihil, which means eh, nothingness. Yeah, you, you
1: know, use a different use a different Well they're just
0: they're just to, very different. I think, you know, God is God is great. in in his ability to take that which is chaotic and turn it back to what it was. But that's a separate thing than God being great in his ability to breathe into existence out of nothingness.
1: Yeah, I I think that that the point that I'm making is that when we talk about, for example, when we look at uh, evolution, depending upon which theory of evolution you want to gravitate towards, whether it be Darwinian or... Whether we're talking about uh, the Big Bang Theory, for we can just example, call it naturalism, or, or naturalism. Uh, you know, when you look at that, um, the the assertion is is that everything that uh, has happened uh, in regard to the Earth. So all of the earth—we're talking about the the flora, we're talking about animals, we're talking about you know fish of the sea, we're talking the about entire the entire ecosystem, the, and not all, and and mankind in particular mm-hmm. as a part of that ecosystem is that uh, we've all just kind of evolved by happenstance, and that what we see around us is is a matter of happenstance, mm-hmm. and so because of that. Um, you know the the world in which we live in. It's okay for there to be uh, chaos. It's okay for there to be um, this uh, this idea of of uh, nonconformity to a structure, because the reality of it is is our heritage comes out of that. And when we look at Scripture, the, the very first thing which is indicated is that God created, and He created structure. Right. He created by design. He created structure. Now I'm going to come back to this in our second segment when we talk specifically about uh, when we talk about uh, interaction between uh, marriage partners, but. But the, the reality, when we narrow it down specifically and we look at cre- overall creation and then we look specifically at he created them male and he created them female, what we're really saying is that scripture upholds the, the position that um, mankind was created by design. God's design is as it is and is to be celebrated as his design. And so if we, if we take that position, then that means that those things that happen uh, in our lives in regard to that design um, are not of happenstance. And the world supports many of the issues that we see going on uh, today, uh, particularly in regard to uh, human sexuality, uh, because they think that we were we just kind of happened, and we just kind of exploring the fact that it, it just kind of happened, and that's not true. That's not what Scripture teaches. So, when we look at chapter, um, when we look at chapters one and two, you know, basically you have the general explanation for overall creation. And then you have the specific creation of male and female and the process by which God took in order to bring about uh, the creation of uh, mankind. So first and foremost, he created the man. He created male. He formed him out of the dust of the earth. So, and there's scientific stuff to show that, you know, we're made up predominantly of, uh, you know, a, a pound or two of chemicals, of dust and what have you. Uh, the rest were, were mostly water. Gelatinous bags are mostly water. Yeah, pretty much so. And, and but that's, that was God's design that he took us from the earth and he created man. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll hear uh, pastors, for example, when somebody is being buried, you know, they will say that we are being returned, you know, to the dust of the earth. Um, but, the, but then in the process of creation, he took man. Woman had not been created yet. He took man and he gave him a task. He brought all of the animals that he had created before man and he gave him the task of naming all of these uh, creatures and, and becoming aware of what these creatures were that God had created. And, and part of that task was that God wanted mankind to realize that even in his creation, God had created the animals, male and female. And so Adam began to realize that the animals, uh, there were male and female, but of himself that was not the case, and that there was no animal suitable to be uh, a helper for him. And so he came to that realization. And so then God took him after he came to that realization, and caused the sleep to come over him. and he took uh, the rib from the rib of man and he fashioned the woman. So that when Adam <laughs> so that when Adam awoke and he saw the woman, uh, she was named Woman because of you know meaning out of man. I, I just think you know he's expressing whoa man what woman. I was wondering when that yeah, was going you to show up. Wondering that's going to show up, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, but but she was designed specifically to be a mate to Adam. So Eve was designed specifically to be a mate to Adam, and specifically designed to um, to help complete uh, how it is that uh, that he was made. And so, um, when so, and, and this then goes into the discussion of so what is. You know, what is the importance of that in regard to understanding uh, the relationship that exists between men and women? And the importance of understanding that has to do with the fact that, that um, God created man, particularly one way, uh, and he created woman to help complete those areas that, that men were lacking And we know, if we look at Scripture, we know that there are instances in Scripture where we see this uh, element, as it were, of being lacking on the part of man uh, that uh, can be problematic. Um, If you want uh, one just off of the top of my head uh why don't we uh we could uh, talk about uh Abraham and uh, Sarah Okay and so Abraham and Sarah, you know, um in the case of well to make a long story short the uh the <laughs> the um Difficulties—the consequence of Abraham listening not to his, or listening to his his uh, wife, uh, and following after her suggestion rather than following after God—is um, the is uh, the conflict that we see between uh, the the uh, the Jews and and uh, the Jews. Those uh, descendants of, of Ishmael. That's one instance. There were other instances where you know Abraham, not willing to, uh, not willing to, to um, rely upon God, um, passed his uh, passed his wife off as his sister. Oh yeah, he wasn't the greatest guy. Yeah, no, he had he had some issues, but he was, you know, he was at a, he was in a learning mode. That's one way to look at it, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. So, so my my point is is that uh, just in and of ourselves, we as men uh, tend to be somewhat lacking in some of the uh, areas of insight that have to do with uh, how we relate to people and and how we perceive life. And, uh, women are specifically equipped to address those issues, um, for those men that they are partnered with. Yeah, definitely.
0: And the science supports that too. Yeah. It's a well-known fact, although in this day and age, it's not so well known anymore, but the science definitely supports that fact that women's brains are wired differently and they're better at relationships than men are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... So we'll, so next week, or in two weeks, are, are we? Uh, not next week, so in, I th- So in three weeks. Yeah. In three <laughs> weeks, we're going to pick this up and continue our discussion of what happened with the fall. But uh, but what's important for this section uh, that we've been looking at, I think, has to do with the focus needs to be uh, the understanding that uh, God created uh specifically with design and purpose. Can, can I ask something?
0: Sure. Not to kick the hornet's nest. But uh so we're supposed to take this story as um an overarching, you know, thing that's really it's important for us as believers, it's important for us as humanity to understand where we came from, so on and so forth. It's 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 very informative, right? Are we supposed to believe that Adam and Eve are real people? Yeah. So are you worried at all about... Are, you,
1: are they just a metaphor?
0: Yeah. Are you worried at all about undermining... Like, So we take Genesis and we add to Genesis again. We take it out of the realm, going back to the six days, because people do this all the way at the beginning of Genesis, right? So uh, we take it out of the realm of the, the literal understanding, and now we move it just a few verses later... Where it says, it's, and it's actually contained in the same story. God created man and woman. He named man Adam. They had this whole interaction. So, what's to keep a person from viewing that as a metaphor, too? Like, is there, why would there be a reason to, to view that n- not as a metaphor? And I ask that because that's a real thing. Like, people actually do view Adam and Eve as a metaphor.
1: My take on that would be that, that, um, when we come to the discussion of, of the literal creation and the amount of time it took to bring it about, there are um, apparent contradictions inside of the geological records and what have you, which would, would be problematic. What makes that any and different? It's fair. Than- no, 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 let me finish my statement. And it's fair to say that, that um, there are things about it which are mysterious and we don't know. So, uh, did it happen in six literal days? I, that's what scripture says, and you can go with that and be confident with that. Um, is it possible that it didn't happen in six literal days? Uh, meaning a 24-hour period? to a degree that's speculative and we don't know. What we do know is what scripture does indicate is that, that God created with design and purpose mankind. And, and we're specifically told that he created Adam and he created Eve.
0: Adam, who is a real man and not a figurative man. That's correct. The father of all men, and right. Eve, not the
1: mother of all women. That's correct. That he physically created Adam. What, what about the. And we were told he physically created Eve. And
0: what, what about the. Just like he physically created everything else. Well, he spoke it into existence in 24 hours. But what about the geological, supposed geological records? that go against the creation story that said that we that say that we evolved. There are no substantial records. There's there's tons of
1: claims, just like there's claims. (laughs)
0: Just like there's claims about the creation.
1: Well I would I would challenge anybody who believes in the Darwinian style of evolution in regard to mankind, with all the homo whatever um, you know different uh, versions uh, to go back and to uh, have a specific um, a a specific uh, place to point to sure i because, guess i'm just not because I'm, the historical record is not clear on that. In fact, it's been proven that supposed skulls and bones and what have you were not of the same piece, but a put together of jaw bones of dogs. I guess
0: I'm just not wh- understanding. So, I
1: guess it's hard for me because I'm just not understanding the dividing line. There have been no clear, there have been, let me put it this way, there have been no clear skeletons ever found uh, that substance, whole skeletons... I, right. I don't disagree with you, and you can go – like,
0: I would challenge anybody, go to Washington, D.C. and check out the Smithsonian, yeah. and you look at the, the uh, Museum of Natural History in the Smithsonian, and you'll see this – I mean – it's beautiful in terms of like what it is, but it's a testament to man's imagination. Yeah. And you yeah. look at the actual things they have and there's there's a lot of, you really have to use your imagination to get from point A to point B. And that's what they're doing because they have a specific narrative in mind. And those are claims. The question I'm, the the difficulty I'm having is I don't see a clear dividing line between why defend one thing but not defend the other, and that's fine I'm just saying I'm
1: not defending anything I'm just saying that in one instance we have something which is very unclear and mysterious well you're
0: making you're 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 saying that one thing is one thing is possible, not probable, and then a few verses later you're saying that the other thing is is actual and uh and n- not defensible uh, in any other way. And I just don't understand the dividing line by which you come to the conclusion that one is possible and not probable, but the other is actual. And I think I have, I've gotten into enough debates um, in apologetics. I've gotten into enough debates with um, atheists who... Who would attack that in a second? Okay, and who have who have attacked that in a second? Because because it do, the standards arbitrary there. So I'm just I'm not hearing it, and that's that's fine.
1: And for me, it's not a huge issue because from a, from a hermeneutical standpoint, now we're talking about you know the principles surrounding how it is that you read and understand Scripture. From a hermeneutical standpoint, you have to put it within the framework of the. Overall purpose that the authors were were getting at when they wrote this narrative. So this is a this is not a scientific treatise sure. on how it is that the Earth came into being, or how mankind came into well, being. So you got to be careful is, there, though, because the moment a, you
0: say that, you open the door for Adam and Eve not being actual.
1: You know. It, this is not a
0: scientific treatise on how man came to be. It is a story about how man came to be. Yes. And then
1: it becomes not actual. Well, my position is that it was actual or there are things that I don't understand. Yes. And I'm willing to admit that uh, the overarching issue has to do with the fact that God, the purpose of the writers was to say that God took that which was chaotic and and he presented design, and he presented purpose. So God had a purpose for the creation of man. God had a purpose for the creation of the world in which man was to operate within. God had a purpose for how it is that he created man and woman to interact together. Was there a literal Adam and Eve I believe that scripture um, says that he created them and named them Adam and Eve, and I'm good with that. Jesus thought so. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, that's th- and that's my point, is that God created man uh, in need of a helpmeet to help him complete who he was. And we see that uh, even today in how it is that men and women interact.
0: Yeah, it's well, it's, that understanding is incredibly missing. Right. That's weird. We got a hum
1: all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, okay. There it, there it is. is. So we're going to leave our discussion here. It's an interesting discussion. And like I said, you can go off into the weeds fairly quickly um, if, if you're not careful the i would go back to the what i started to say in my summary the the hermeneutical principle which is present is that the narrative which is being shared is a narrative that was to help the people of israel understand who their god was and that their god was a god that created the world and created themselves with design and purpose and we're going to pick up with the issue of design and purpose um, when we pick this up again in in three weeks let's uh, just do a real quick uh, look at uh, what's, up Ooh, what's up with that what's up with that what's up with that Ooh, what's up with that what's up with,
0: that? What's up with that?
1: Um, in this, uh, I came across two things that were uh, of interest that I that I thought I would put out there. Uh, this is particularly interesting because of the uh, because of the generation of people that we deal with today that have just a, a mega knowledge, but uh, they don't they don't know that much when it comes to um, having under uh, minute understanding. So uh, and sometimes that that type of um, sometimes that type of understanding is uh, rewarded. And uh, there was a, a lady in Canada that was on a game show, and uh, the she was asked uh, by the game show host what is uh, what is Popeye's favorite food. And do you know? Popeye's favorite food. Josh, you know what Popeye's favorite food is? <clears throat> it's olive oil.
0: <laughs> I mean, technically, wow. it's, it's spinach, right? I eat my yes, spinach. Yes, it's yeah. spinach. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. what, that's what producer Jasmine said off camera. He's all pointing at somebody. He's pointing at producer Jasmine. But, um, yeah, it's obviously spinach. That's what he eats to get strong. Well, she
1: didn't think so. The reason why I said olive oil is because... Because uh, olive oil was his girlfriend. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh no spinach, so you know, or it could be chicken. Well, that's what oh, is that happened. what she said? That's what happened. That's she hilarious. she said that his favorite food was chicken because she didn't know who, who Popeye, Popeye was, actually yeah. was. Um, unlike uh, your producer Josh, that is just on top of things. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Popeye's chicken um, was so impressed with her answer. That they awarded her ten thousand dollars. Okay. Worth of uh, foodstuffs. Well, it was worth it then. For her, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now she can have all the the spicy chicken, uh, or otherwise that she
0: wants. Hey, we were having a debate about Popeyes last night. So, is it Popeyes or Chick Fil A that had that sandwich that everybody was freaking out about?
1: It was Popeyes. See, I okay. So pop. Okay. So, they were comparing the sandwich, uh, Popeye's sandwich, to Chick-fil-A's. Uh-huh. And, and um, see, here's the long and short of it, is that the, the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, the, the way that it is made- Oh, here it comes. Okay. It's made from an, an old school Southern recipe, which is specifically directed towards the African-American- uh, population in the south
0: okay so it's so you're saying it's a cultural recipe yeah it's a cult- that's what you mean by that yeah right?
1: that's exactly what i mean it's a cultural recipe and because it's a cultural recipe um people the same way they have
0: like creole flavoring for instance for yeah. for well, who are the creole it was uh indians yeah the na- the native it was like a mixture of like French and native and Spanish, I want to say I don't know. I'm speaking off the cuff. I've only been to New Orleans once.
1: yeah, so so um, the the thing was was that you have all these people down south who are just loving this Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich so much because it's uh, as close to Southern home cooking that you could buy commercially. Sure. Basically. But you're not saying it's just for black people. I'm just saying the recipe came out of that culture. Historically, the recipe came out of that culture. I wonder if that's true. Like, I want, Wouldn't it be funny? If that's it was my a research. Straight up white person. No, <laughs> no that's <laughs> that's my research. That's okay. what they're saying. So, you know, all right. Yeah. So that's that's what the whole deal is. Um, I've talked to people that have eaten both. I mean, you know, you have to be in. Have you done a cross section of culture? I have not uh, done any. I've not done any extensive study in regard to this.
0: Filipinos are dark skinned, but they're they're not the same as Africans.
1: That's true, and I don't know how Filipinos would uh, respond to it. Do I like Chick Fil A or do I like? <laughs> I tend to not. Gravitate towards anything involving chick, okay? Ch- chicken sandwiches, chick flicks. I just you know, it's not my <laughs> chick deal. It's not my deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so there you go. But uh, you know, they gave her, they gave her uh, ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Of, uh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, that's a nice gift card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a. Here's another thing that came up. This happened this week. This week in Texas, the uh, it was the 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 world's largest Snickers bar was unveiled. Wow, somebody now must I'm, have been very hangry. I I love Snickers, all right? And I'm even willing although I I shouldn't because of the sugar in it. But, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, the candy maker, Mars Wrigley, set a new Guinness World World Record of a Snickers bar that weighed in at 4,728 pounds. All right. It's the the equivalent of like 10,000 Snickers bars. Mm -hmm. I'm like. And and they were asked why they did it, and they're like, well, Why wouldn't you? Because we could.
0: Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's the best answer.
1: That is... That's perverted. It's perverted. <laughs> All right, then. Where have we come to in society that we are so abundant? Yes, that that's a good point. A, that's a valid point. We can point. make an almost 5,000-pound Snickers bar... And, and feel good about it. Well, I think the real question is, what
0: are they going to do after? Right? The other question I have is, is it made up of billions of peanuts? No, or, it's, a, it's
1: it's a one I know, whole- I know, I
0: understand, I understand. But you, you bear with me here. Is it made up of billions of peanuts? Or did they form large peanuts inside the Snickers bar so that it was to scale... Oh wow! Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if you cut that thing
1: open? Uh, nah, I don't think that happened.
0: Like, that. would a giant be satisfied when he cut it open? But at the you know at the appropriate sized peanuts, or would it just be like little tiny peanut kernels to a giant? I'm I marvelled at how your mind works <laughs> because I got to tell you one of the things that's great about Snickers is the texture of it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So no, I love I love Snickers, but but I just you know. I, anyway, I just really what's what's up with that? Um, okay, so let's let's move on real quickly. To the last uh, ten minutes or so that we have it's gonna we'll have to be minutes. real quick. Yeah. Well, we're gonna lay a foundation. That's that's my bad. Sorry, yeah, that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna lay, we're gonna lay a foundation, and that's okay. It's, you know, it entertaining, and that's what the. Part of what uh, this hour is all about is discussing scripture and and uh, looking at you know how to deal with things. Um, but we we have begun the discussion of talking about um, the relationship and men and women, and uh, that goes along with what we were talking about earlier in that um, God designed uh, men and women with uh, with purpose. So here's the deal, and I think this is a good place to start this discussion and we can can, can carry it along. But I would just throw out there that um, if you believe that's true, um, men, if you believe the Word of God is true and, the, and that God created you with design and purpose, and if you believe that, um, that He created a, a helpmeet for you specifically— um, then that means that you shouldn't be playing Russian roulette with your lifestyle and with your uh, choice of a, a life partner. Okay, yeah. You know, I I know so many, um, <laughs> excuse me, I know so many, like, well, for example, you know, uh, Christian dating services. Sure. I know, I Christian know. Christian Mingle, uh, there's yeah, even a movie on Netflix. Yeah, they, they you know, they call themselves, uh, they call themselves uh, Christian this and Christian that. Look. First and foremost, uh, if you believe what Scripture has to say about who God created you to be, then your first obligation is to um, learn about yourself and understand who you are. And and, and I I got to say, in dealing with people um, over my uh, many years. Um, the multitude of people that I've run into uh, are clueless about who they are. Yeah, they don't I would know, agree. They don't know what their makeup is. They don't understand how they view things. Uh, their life's chaotic, and, and they're just trying to figure out. Uh, and so our first obli- I believe our first obligation as men is to understand who God created us to be and to understand uh, specifically how that affects me as an individual so i need to understand my heritage i need to understand my uh my personality makeup i need to understand you know all those things about how i view things right and and then the, then the apps once i've got my act together and i know who i am then i can begin praying for the person that god specifically designed yeah to help me deal with those areas that I have weakness, yeah, and that I need strength, and and so the first step is to understand who I am, to understand my strengths and my weaknesses, and then begin to pray for that person who will complement that and help me to be able to uh, overcome those areas where um, I'm insufficient. And I dare say I can say from experience that uh, yes, when I was younger, I had many areas where I was insufficient. Okay. My uh- that's that's my that's my that's my only allusion to vulnerability. Okay. Well, just so you know,
0: it, it wasn't it wasn't a shocker. Um, <laughs> my my thought process on that is pretty simply that like. A lot of people believe that one and one, um, in in Christianity, well, actually just in general, that one plus one um, makes a whole. When it comes to relationship, mm-hmm. that that basically you're, you're 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 two halves, and you know I don't I don't really believe that. I think uh, to quote Atlantis, one and one makes two. <laughs> and um Alanis Morissette n- yes Alanis Morissette yeah. the, the great the great philosopher yeah um and I think that I th- I do think that one one makes two and I think that your wholeness comes from your relationship with God understanding who you are and at the point where you then understand who you are and you're complete in your relationship with God then you can walk alongside of a person who is also whole and then that brings you together uh and then your two people being whole together forms a cord that makes that third, you know, that third person in the relationship.
1: So really in God's design, it's one and one equals three. Yeah, it would be, um, yeah. which is
0: Trinitarian in nature for the record. Yeah. Um, with God the Son and God the Father, and then their union being uh, God the Holy Spirit. But, um, which is because they're in, it's a whole anyway. Yeah. Um but that's my uh, that's my take on it, and 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 I have always really hated when you've got a person who is looking for their partner in order to, in order to make them whole, um, when really they should be looking to God, and and I. Think, I agree. Yes, absolutely. and I think that the. I, I think I've seen lots of relationships where they've put their all into another person and put on this really undue hardship and undue burden onto another person to fulfill them right. in a way that really only God can do.
1: And, and and then that person fails them, obviously. Yeah. And is problematic to the relationship. No, I agree with you, but this is a, it's a for me, in our discussion, is going to be a starting point. I wonder how that works in the theology of it. Like I'm, like in I'm thinking
0: about it, like because Eve was taken from Adam, and Adam was well. that, that is interesting because Adam was whole, but he was but he was alone. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And right. Eve was taken from him. So does that mean that Adam was not was was Adam not whole until Eve came along, or was well, Adam the... whole but he was alone and in order. In order for God to represent the the relational aspect I, of it, yes.
1: See, I would say, I would say, from a theological standpoint, that Adam was whole, but that the but he was lacking in the area of uh, relationship, relationship, and yeah, and that dimension of who he was, right. And, and because
0: he was made in the image of God, he would have been he would have felt that lack of yes, relationship, yes. But he was whole, yes. And that's yeah. I think that that's yeah. That that it's it's an interesting discussion.
1: Yeah, and we're going to pick this discussion up uh, again, um, not next week, but the week after. I believe so. Yeah. When we when we continue um, with uh, producer Truth Jasmine with is Pastor that the uh, is that is that correct? I'm checking.
0: Okay, she's she's going to check it. That was your outro, wasn't it? There? Yeah, that was my outro. Right that was here. your outro. Okay. Um, well, while she is checking. I'll just give you your spill, your spiel. All right. If you're someone who's seeking answers, or you want to know more about your faith, and if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, or old for that matter to Jesus Christ or the Bible, um, we are always open to questions. You got we'll be on for two, weeks. two weeks, so we'll be back not next Tuesday and not the Tuesday after, February but February 11th. Mark your calendars. Um, Anyway, we want to help you um, if you are interested in that. So check out our help tab at abfpdx.org. And remember, we're always open to questions. Pastor Monty is ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice and insights, so do not be shy. Uh, So closing out the show, remember that Truth Time with Pastor Monty is a resource of Aletheo Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. It's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by ABF's Project Vigilance, which is our web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. If you want to be a part of that, what we're doing here, you can join the Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture and Sanity, uh, cross-examination in the future, or in the past even, and uh, obviously this show. Um... Yeah, so uh, also our weekly sermons, uh, which we started back up this year. Not that we ever stopped them, but we're dealing with a year. We're dealing with a year of uh, sacrifice. So Pastor James here at ABF is going over sacrifice. So um, check that out. And if you've enjoyed Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our network and shows are free to you, but they are not free to us. And so you want to be a supporter? That's a good way to help us. You can click the donate tab at ABFPDX. Um, and anything uh, would be good to help us out, even a dollar a month. If you're poor like us, that's cool. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast, which you can always find on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook, the VRN, Facebook group, all that. Take a second, um, if you haven't done so already, to visit the group page so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week, which will be actually on February eleventh will be the next time. Right. Um, but on Tuesdays as normal at eleven AM. Uh, we'll see you then. I am Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Leytea
1: Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.